So today uh, we have the great privilege of hearing from my friend Ian Crosby. Ian is uh, new to St. Philip's. He came to us through our Theology on Tap ministry uh, back in 2021, and he has uh, jumped in with both feet into the life of St. Philip's, which has been great. Ian is uh, from Atlanta originally, is a graduate of the Lovett School there, and then went on to the University of Georgia and graduated with a degree in finance. Uh, he has been working here with MSC Mediterranean Shipping Company, which is one of the huge uh, cargo uh, shipping companies of the world. Uh, he also uh, does some jujitsu and uh, has gotten involved with many uh, different ministries here at St. Philip's. And in his most exciting news, he just recently got engaged to Dr. Ashley Jordan Ferreira, and they will be getting married at St. Philip's uh, next year. So uh, that is all very exciting, but Ian has a wonderful story of God's intervention in his life that uh, I'm delighted for him to share with you today. So please join me in welcoming Ian Crosby. Thank you, Father Brian, for that warm introduction and thank you to each of you for coming out today, giving me the opportunity to share the story of my faith and tell you about what God has done in my life. I wanted to be very honest. I wanted to be vulnerable. Um, it's a nervous moment for me because to share some of your low points with strangers is difficult, but one day we will all pass before the judgment seat. And God already knows everything, so um, he's already forgiven me, and I'm happy to share what he's done today. Also, the Lord um, encouraged me because where I'm standing, there have been many great men. I've seen men talk about life on the battlefield and dealing with life and death. And I've heard men who have accomplished great things in the business world and other arenas as well. And I'm, I guess, yet to achieve much in my eyes so far. I'm only 30 years old, and I'd like to think I have a lot of life ahead of me. But I was encouraged because... The prophet of Jeremiah says this, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. So while I may not have accomplished much yet, I do know the Lord and he knows me. And that's enough. Father Brian gave a great introduction, but I brought some props um, to show you what's meaningful to me to help frame this narrative. Uh, the first of which is the jiu-jitsu belt. This is a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. It's a grappling martial art, which means I don't have to punch or kick anybody. I throw people and I... I arm lock people sometimes, but this means that I'm not that good, but I know enough to know I'm not that good. <laughs> Next is the common book of prayer, which was given to me when I joined St. Philip's. 
there are a lot of organizations that you can join. Some of them just require a check. Some of them require knowing the right people. But when I joined the church, it felt to me like it was very significant because you have to be found worthy to be counted among a congregation. And nobody's perfect. It's not that I achieved anything, but I received the approval of the clergy and of my peers, and it meant a lot to me. And so in this book is the signature of our bishop. To verify that means a lot. And then last is my Bible. And it even has my name on it. Part of the reason why I like it so much. I have taken this to several continents, and I have read it cover to cover several times. This is the primary reason, aside from God's grace and the Holy Spirit and Jesus' sacrifice, that I am standing here today because the word is a lamp to my feet, and it shows me the path, and it means a lot to me. So, how did I get introduced to the Lord? Well, we all owe it to someone. Maybe we heard a radio. Maybe we saw Veggie Tales growing up. I, I saw a lot of Veggie Tales growing up. That might be past the time of many people in this room. But for me, being born in the 90s, there was a, a really popular movie about dinosaurs. And in this movie, our protagonists are about to get eaten. And so as I watched this movie as a young man, I would get nightmares. And I would tell my mom, Mom, I don't want to go to sleep. I'm going to get eaten by these dinosaurs. And so she told me, Ian, if you pray to God that you won't have bad dreams, you will not have bad dreams. And although I had been to a few church services, we didn't go regularly, but I've been to a few. Grandmother had said prayers at the dinner table at Thanksgiving. You're five, six years old. You have no concept of a lot of these things. But this was real because I was getting eaten by dinosaurs. So I said a prayer, and God honored that. In Mark, it tells us, therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. So that was the basis of my faith. I knew there was a God. I didn't know much else about him other than he does answer prayers. And so I went through school. I went to the Lovett School in Atlanta, Georgia. Some of you may know that. And fairly gifted. I was athletic. I did well in classes. I could give a presentation. I had friends. Everything was going as you would hope for your children in school. But when I reached a certain age, going through adolescence, I had to ask, well, who am I? What is the bigger goal? What is my purpose? And I may not have put it in those terms, but that's what was from the inside. I, I, I felt this need to say, okay, what can I prove myself on? What can I show to, okay, now I've, I've made it, or I'm cool, or I can feel good about myself. And for me, that was athletics. And so I played football and got my picture in the paper, Girls start saying hello to me when I walk up and down the stairwell. And you felt cool. You felt good. And that was a big part of my identity. My junior year of high school, I fractured my L5 vertebrae, and I was out for six months. So that was taken away. It was academics and a roller backpack, which was so uncool. Everybody had the one strap, and I had this roller backpack, so I just felt lowest of the low. 
a far cry from being the big man on campus. And so not knowing who I was, not knowing the truth, like a lot of people, we turned to worldly things, and that's what I did. I turned to marijuana. And it started off as an escape from being depressed, and it quickly evolved into more of a habit that later would go into full-blown addiction. And I abused other drugs as well. Alcohol was one of the main offenders, but the real addiction, the one that really sunk its claws in, was marijuana. And so when you turn to the world, 1 John says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. But you couldn't tell me that. Because I didn't know any better. I thought this is just a way to cope. A lot of people do it at school. Even in popular culture around 2010, 2011, it was becoming more accepted. So what's the big deal? I didn't have the eyes to see. I was blind to what it was doing to me. But also, at 18, 17, 18, I was a full-blown narcissist. I thought I was the best thing ever. I thought I had all the answers. I was going to do it better. I was cool, young, fit, knew a lot of cool people, and nobody else really got it. But I did. I had the answers. And so on the outside, captain of the football team, honor council member, going to the University of Georgia, teachers love you, you get a pat on the back, and it looks good. But the reality and the truth is, is that God knows everything about you. He sees the inner man. And my football coach even had a, had a saying. He said, you can cheat other people, you can lie to others, but you can never lie to the man in the mirror. You will always know if you gave it your effort. You will always know if you were honest. You will always know. Because you can't hide from the truth. And so in 1 Samuel, the word tells us, For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. So I graduated, went off to college, University of Georgia, started doing a lot of things that I loved. I got involved in nonprofits. I did a lot of cycling, did a radio program, continued on with my drug use, partying a lot. I worked downtown as a barback, which is a glorified janitor, but I was on track to become a bartender. And when you're 19 years old and you're a bartender in a college town, what's cooler than that? Of course, there are a lot of things, but for me, this guy thinks that's, that's the pinnacle. So that's what I was reaching for. That's the lifestyle that I was living in. And again, the big question was not, how do I know I'm cool? But now it'd become, what does it mean to be a man? Or, in more contemporary terms, what does it mean to be successful? And normally, the connotation is, how do you make a lot of money? How do you prove yourself via status, position, power, money. That's where my head was. And so my mind didn't see the way that the Lord sees. It didn't see the truth because I had no root in the truth. Complete narcissist. And Isaiah says this very well when he talks about those who find themselves wise. 
He said, woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. I used to think that a lot of the contemporary social issues that we debate today, nothing wrong with it. You want to be transgender? Great. You want to practice homosexuality? Great. You want to fill in the blank. You do you, I'll do me, get out of my way. Wise in my own sight, but blind. Sowing seeds of destruction that I would later reap. Everybody in here has a day that they remember. They can quote the date. Maybe it's your birthday. Maybe it's the death of a relative, a wedding. Whatever it is, there's always a day, maybe a few, that you remember. So for me, it all came to a head, quite literally. On July 14th, 2014, my sin caught up with me, and it was my own doing. I used to work at a catering kitchen, and on Thursday nights, we would do what's called a recipe development. And we would try international dishes, and we'd pair them with wines, and we would have a really good time. I mean, it was educational, but we had fun. And so I'm on the way home, going downtown to a party, summertime, and I see the light about to change. And I look at the countdown timer on the crosswalk and I say, okay, I have this much time. If I go as fast as I can, I get another five seconds on the yellow and then I get another three seconds on the red. And so I pedaled as hard as I could. And I had a great bicycle. I dropped a lot of money on that thing. Got the new components, the racing slicks. And I'm 19. I'm very fit. So I'm probably going maybe 30, maybe 35 miles an hour as hard as I can to make this light. But there's this truck sitting there. And he's got his headlights on. He's not moving. And so I say to myself, okay, if he moves, I'll slow down or I'll divert course. But if he doesn't, he must see me. I'll go straight through. And he didn't move. And I committed. I entered the intersection. And for any physicist or science nerds out there, you know that momentum doesn't like to change. So once he started to move, I was committed. I couldn't turn, couldn't veer to the left, couldn't veer to the right, straight ahead. And I had a moment, I don't know how long, where I knew this is going to really hurt. There's a Dodge Ram 1500 with a brush guard pulling a trailer, and this is not the scale. So I hit him head on as he was turning, and my body actually ended up on the other side of the intersection in the gutter, and then Newton's third law took my bicycle and kicked it to the other side. And when I woke up in the gutter, I knew that I had been spared. I said a prayer immediately to God, and I said, thank you for sparing my life. And there was a policeman who was a block over. He said, I heard the whole thing. What the heck happened? My bike got totaled. I'm bloodied up. And as I was giving the account of the accident, he said, I smell some alcohol in your breath. How old are you, son? And of course, I was only three months away from my 21st birthday. And in athens Clark County in Georgia, if you have alcohol in your system, it's still a misdemeanor. It's called minor in possession of alcohol. And so I was on the hook. 
And I had the option of either going to court and going through that whole legal system, or I could take a pretrial diversion, six months community service, and randomized drug testing. And I was really torn. I didn't know which one to do. I said, I don't want to do the sobriety. I kind of want to fight this maybe. But my mother said, no, Ian, you really do need to take this seriously. And so for the next six months, sober, no drugs, no alcohol, living a different life. But I was still in that community. I was still going to the parties. I was still hanging out with the same people. And everybody's acting a fool. People are throwing bottles out the second story window to random strangers on the street. Dudes are kicking in the door and stumbling in drunk. Staying up till 3 o'clock in the morning. You got to test the next day in your finance program. And it didn't make any sense. But again, the scales were still on my eyes, but they were slowly falling. And for the first time in my life, I actually read this. I claimed to be a Christian. I'd gone to a Judeo-Christian school, sat in chapels, heard the gospel story, never read the book. Didn't read any of it, but yet claimed, of course, yeah, I believe in Jesus, Son of God. Didn't know, didn't understand, and honestly didn't even read the textbook. Imagine showing up to your accountant, and he wasn't even certified. He never took the exam, he never read the book, nothing. But he has the audacity to say, I'm a Christian, or I'm an accountant. And that was me. So I started reading for the first time, but I didn't give my faith into Christ yet. I said, I don't want to give up my lifestyle. And so I went back. I fell back into it. And as Jesus says in John, he says that, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. And that's what I was. I was a slave to sin. Couldn't give it up. I couldn't give up the lifestyle. I thought I'll be able to control it. I'll do it maybe on Sundays or maybe take every other day. You, know, you can rationalize so much. Anybody who's a procrastinator knows you can rationalize putting anything off. And that was me. I'll just be better about it. But I was still yielding the same results. And so finally I graduated by the grace of God. I got back home, did some traveling, hiked part of the AT, was a movie extra for a while, Season three, Sleepy Hollow, episode four, Bike Messenger. <laughs> if you watch the show, that's me. And really didn't do much, but still had the lifestyle and the expectation, but it was going more and more apparent. My friends are off getting good jobs. My friends are coming home at, during the holidays, and we're all sitting around the table, and, oh, Joanne, what's your son doing? Well... And I had to experience the pain of watching my mother try to rationalize why her son was throwing away opportunities and spinning his wheels. It was very painful. And so finally, I, I sort of just had to be honest with myself. And I remember sitting in my car, it was a 96 Maxima, and I screamed at the top of my lungs. I didn't say anything, but it was a mixture of sadness, anger, confusion, because I knew that I was the problem, but I I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to get out of it. But our Lord is a faithful Lord, and he loves us. And so just like the psalmist in Psalm 34, this poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who, fears him, who fear him and delivers them. And so I was delivered. In the fall of 2016, that was the last time I knew a woman, 
And in the fall of 2017, that was the last time I did any sort of recreational drugs. Also important to note here is that I was a child from a broken home. Actually, my parents had divorced when I was eight. And one of the lingering things, even though I had been baptized recently in 2017, I was reading the word and doing all these things, I was still very upset with my father because he never talked about the divorce, the reasons why. And I had to piece it together from all these different places and different members of the family. And I would ask him occasionally and he just, oh, you know, it just didn't work out. Wouldn't engage. And so I came to a point at that time where I would ignore his calls. I'd blow him off. He'd want to come visit. I'd say, I'm busy. I would be very short, terse, and really mean to him. And it came, came to a point where I was so convicted where I said, because I have been forgiven much, I cannot continue to treat my father this way. So I called him up through tears, and I said, Dad, God has forgiven me of everything, and I forgive you of everything, and I want a relationship with you. So God has given me back my earthly father, and he's given back my freedom, freedom from myself. Because I thought, this is what I'm owed. This is what a narcissist thinks. It's owed to me. So I began reading the word. I read it cover to cover, eight months. I went to Jerusalem. I won't go into it because I don't have much time, but went to the Holy Land, saw some sites. I came back. I was working in a church. I had mentorship. There was a great man named Gabe Ross. Every Tuesday night, I'd go over to his house, and we would pour over the Bible, and I would ask him so many questions. We spent more time answering my questions than actually reading the Bible. But he sowed the seeds to help me grow in my faith. And so everything was going along well, success and work, growing in the faith, but then pandemic hits, and everything gets turned upside down. So in my pride, I said, what do I want to do now? I can do anything I want. I'm still young enough. I'm like, you know, around 25, probably do anything. And so I said, you know, it'd be really cool. International businessman. Talk multiple languages, travel places, make deals. That would be really cool. And so I took a job with the Mediterranean Shipping Company. And anybody who lives on 17 may see these colorful containers going up and down. And that's what I do now. I help importers and exports, importers and exporters take their cargo all over the world and the myriad of challenges that come with that. But what's very surprising is a lot of the principles I find in Proverbs or anywhere in the Bible correlate directly to how one should act in the business world. Let your yes be yes. Don't use false weights. And the temptation is still there to cut corners, maybe lie a little bit, maybe take a little bit, maybe claim a little bit more on the expense report, if you will. But I have conviction now. I know what God has done for me. I, I try to stay in the word. I try to come to church. I try to be in small group. And there's an analogy that I've heard the clergy use before of, a coal in a fire, you keep it in there and it will stay ablaze, but if you take it out, slowly it will die on itself. And that was me for so long. I was devoid of community. I thought it's all about me. I'll make decisions. People are convenient, but I'm not going to commit to anything. I'm not going to invest in anybody. But in my journey of faith, 
I had many older men invest time in me. I had many opportunities for my family to witness to me, and it finally all came around. I feel like for the first time in my life, I'm a respectable man. I may not be where I want to be in life, but I can hold my head up high. I can stand in front of you. I can share with you my low points. I can stand in front of the woman I love, and I can say, dear, I slept around. Dear, I lied. I cheated. I stole. You know, this is how I was thinking, and it's hard to do. It's hard to be honest, but God has given me the freedom to do so. And one of the things he also blessed me with is a great church, St. Philip's. This was the night of the um, receiving, what's it? Confirmation. Thank you, Father Brian. This is the night of the confirmation. And again, there's my book of prayer. That means so much to me. And there's the woman I love, Dr. Ashley Jordan Ferrer, will be married in the spring. But when I looked at this photo, I was, going, I was going through troves of photos to put this speech together, and I saw a lot of photos that really made me sad. A lot of photos from college, a lot of photos from adolescence. But I looked at this one, and I said, you know, there's life in that face, and that's what God does for us. He makes his light to shine upon our face. Our countenance will brighten. And so I have a new question that I ask myself. In, in every stage of my life, I've been asking a different major question. And so the question now is, um, what, what does success look like? But with the framework of God's truth and God's word. And one of the things I love, I love about our faith is it's not obscured. He gives it to you right there, right in front. He doesn't make you spend 10 years maybe training to get a black belt or climb a high mountain or become an executive in the church, he'll give it to you day one. And so if you open up Psalms, the very first Psalm, the very first verse of that Psalm, he'll tell you, at least how I interpret it. So what is success? Well, Psalms tells us, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. And that's all I could really want. I want to be a provider, a protector, and a leader for my family. And many of you have taken that courageous step and maybe have done so faithfully throughout your years. But that is my vision, that is my goal, that is my definition of success now, and that's where I want to be. But to get there, I need help. I need prayers for vision, because without vision, the people will perish. I need prayers for wisdom, and I need prayers for courage. And the last thing I'll leave you with is the most uncomfortable truth about the faith that Gabe Ross told me when I was first in the church and we were coming over Tuesday nights and I just couldn't quite get it and I, I still struggle with it today. And the uncomfortable truth is that I will never arrive in my faith. I have to do a daily walk and it's really difficult to see how far I can backslide, how quickly if I don't remain in the faith daily. 
and I, I just want to be there. I want to know I've achieved, but that's also part of the blessing. The way I look at life, you just have to do what you need to do today. Sufficient unto the day are the evils thereof. Worry about today because tomorrow will take care of itself. So all that to be said, I, I thank you for listening to my testimony. I want it to be for God's glory because when I reach the end of my life, whenever that may be, I want to know that I walked in his truth. I want our faith, our beliefs to be seen, not just heard, but really seen, validated. There are a lot of great men in this room who have lived it out and they're bearing those fruits. And I want to be that too because I want to believe in God's word so much because he's already given me so much and he's freed me from addictions. He's restored my family. He has given me a place at the table and I don't care if it's the lowest seat. I'm at the table. And so if you'll bow your heads with me, I'd like to close in a prayer now. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word and that you do not leave us alone in the cold of the night, but you are continually awake, sitting at the right hand of the Father. You pray for us and you love us more than we ever could love you. You are the ultimate provider. You are the ultimate guide. You are the ultimate counselor and friend. Please be with us continually to bring the increase of seeds that have been sown or watered in our lives so that we can perform and bring forth good works for your glory and we may partake in your divine plan. Guard each man in this room. May they return safely with their feet come next month, men's monthly luncheon and please grant them the desires of their heart. We pray all of this in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you all so much for coming, and uh, I'm so grateful for all that Ian has shared with us. One thing that I love about Ian that came through so much in that talk is his love for the Word of God, and it has been something that has helped transform him, and I just want to encourage y'all, particularly as we find ourselves in this season of Advent, this is a great time if you are someone who has, uh, as Ian put it, never read the textbook, uh, this is a great time to begin to start checking that out. There are all kinds of Advent devotionals out there. Uh, if you just go online uh, and put in Advent devotional, uh, Christian Advent devotional, uh, you will find a lot of resources, or you can just email me. I can send you a list at 10 or 12. Uh, but I would encourage you to do that. Um, let's thank Ian again. And let's conclude with a blessing. Please bow your heads. And now may the blessing of God the Father Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be upon you and with those you know and love, both now and forevermore. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. <laughs>